Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. And God, I thank you for that story that Cynthia just sang about. Because the story is each one of us who have accepted you, your son, who broke through the heavens and came as a child to save the world and pay that ransom with his life. God, may this Christmas season we constantly remember why we celebrate. May we constantly remember why we put an angel on the top of a tree or buy a present for someone. God, may it not be about the mundane, but may it be about the miracle of you coming to earth to save the world from our sins. And right now, as we continue in this series, Angels Among Us, God, I think of the proclamation, the announcement, the message that you came to this earth that they gave. God, may we understand that their role is not just the announcement, it's not just in making that proclamation, but God, their role those angels' role is in our lives to guard us and to guide us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us to a place where we're aware and listening and receptive and able to do what you ask us to do in response to their work in our lives. God, we thank you so much for all that you're doing. I pray that you would be with each person who's gathered in this room. God, I pray that you would be with those who walked in today and they're suffering. Maybe they're suffering physically or God, maybe they're suffering emotionally, mentally. God, they walked in with a lot of pain. And I pray that you would just be with them. God, I pray that you would be with those who are struggling with fear and anxiety, hopelessness. God, may you be our hope today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you I don't know, just, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you're here. And as I mentioned, we're in week two of this series called Angels Among Us. And as you know, as you probably know, most of you know from the Christmas story, that angels play a huge part of, of the Christmas story. They're the ones that brought the message. And we're going to be, over the next two weeks, next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the announcements that they made, announcements that they made, because it was more than just one. The announcement of God coming to earth, this great announcement of the good news, that gospel that word that we use, the gospel and the good news that God desired to save you and he desired to save me, and he did it through his son, Jesus. It's kind of like the best news, isn't it? But as God led me over the course of these last few months to do a series on angels and kind of view the Christmas story through the lens of these whom God sent to make this announcement, one of the things that was clear to me from God was is that we shouldn't just study just the Christmas story, but we should study the whole story because the angels are involved in all of it. They're involved in all of it, and they're involved in your life and in my life. 
even when we don't know, even when we can't see. Now, I realize that it's difficult sometimes to understand things that happen in the unseen world. And last week we began with the idea in mind that um, the Bible has over or nearly 300 references to angels. And, and it's, it's, the fact is, is that angels do exist. God created them to worship him and he created them for, for his glory. But he also created them to interact with you and with me. And so um, to develop an awareness of, of the angels, knowing that angels are real and it's true is such an important part for those of you who are here and your God followers, your Christ followers. But you know, um, it's still sometimes hard to understand, isn't it? I, I mentioned last week there was uh, a little boy who looked at his mom and said, I only know two of the angels' names, Hark and Harold. <laughs> and so I thought it'd be good this morning to look to some kids, as we do in our house sometimes, when we don't know the answer to something. We're like, hey, Sydney, Sean, tell us the answer to this, all right? You know, that's a great resource, isn't it, to find out truth. Okay, so there are, let's take a look at what some seven to nine-year-olds said when they were asked to explain angels and to give some sort of explanation. Henry, age eight, says this. My guardian angel helps me with math, but he's not so much good at science. <laughs> By the way, we'll talk about that guardian thing in a moment, okay? Peter, age seven, says this. Angels don't eat much, but they drink a lot of milk from holy cows. I love that one. That's awesome. <laughs> Olivia, age nine, says, everybody's got it all wrong. Angels don't wear halos anymore. I forget why, but there are scientists that are working on it. I love that. That's awesome. This is my favorite one. Daniel, age nine, says this. Angels talk all the way. I have to read this because this is exactly the way he said it. Angels talk all the way while they're flying you up to heaven. The main subject is uh, where you went wrong before you got dead. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You got dead. I love that. That's awesome. And then Molly, I think we all can connect with Molly at age eight when she says, I hear funny angels all the time in my dreams. And I'm sticking with that, no matter how many people tell me I'm crazy. I love that one. All right, Molly, stick with your story, man. I love that. That's awesome. Last week, we began with this idea that there is an unseen world and that God breaks through that unseen world. And what happens in that world has an impact on us. And so my, my challenge was that you and I develop an awareness that God is at work in the spiritual, in the supernatural, in that unseen world. But today what I want to do is I want to talk about the larger and the specific role of angels. You see, God created angels, and so we have God and we have the angels that he created. He created them before um, the, the beginning of time, and, um, and, and then he created uh, humans. He created us. And, and just like angels, our job is similar to angels, and it's very much the same thing. Our role, and we can kind of like get this from the angels, their role is to worship God and to assist in furthering his kingdom. It's exactly what our role should be, right, as humans. So we can look to the angels to get an idea of what our role is. And, and so I want you to keep, as we talk this morning, as we discuss this idea of what, what, is, what are the angels' role in our life, like in our specific lives, what role do they play, how do they interact with us, I want you to keep that important concept in mind. That their role is really the big picture of their role, their job, is, is to worship God and to help furthering his kingdom. So with that in mind, specifically, I want to talk about two things today that the angels do that involve us and 
two things that they do in, in assisting and helping further God's kingdom where you and I are involved. We're almost kind of like, a, a, like, a, a, like we receive like benefit from them because they're worshiping God and helping further his kingdom. And so the two roles that they play in our lives is really to guard us and to guide us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 91. We're going to be in Psalm 91 and Exodus 23, and, and we're just going to bounce back and forth there. from Psalm. We're going to go from Psalm 91 to Exodus 23. But a, a lot of you grew up with this concept in mind that um, you know, there's a guardian angel, that there's one angel that like, is your guardian angel. I was taught that as a child, and that was something that stuck with me. And so I want to keep that in mind today because the Bible really doesn't have much to say about that a specific guardian angel, and some of you are like, oh, you're breaking my heart. But it's so much better than that. It's so much better. Because I think there's evidence in all of Scripture that you and I, if we're God followers, we don't have one guardian angel. We have a whole host of angels guarding us and guiding us. And we see it here in Psalm 91. It's just a fantastic psalm. And some of you may remember that this was the psalm that I read and that we talked about during the hurricane because if you were, you know, here, some of you might have stayed here, but like most of you were gone and you turned on the TV or maybe you watched through the night and you saw what was happening and you heard what was happening. It was terrifying, wasn't it? And so we focused on this particular passage because this particular passage is one of finding safety in God. And so as we take a look at this, keep in mind also that this psalm, most scholars believe, most theologians believe, was written not by David, but by Moses. And there's good evidence for that because David didn't give his name to it. And some of the actual like um, wording that's used is exactly from Deuteronomy, which we know Moses wrote. And so Psalm 91, let's take a look at these verses here. I absolutely love this passage. And for some of you, you may have walked in here today with a lot of fear. And my prayer is that God would speak to you right now through his Holy Spirit. The psalmist says this, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you're fearful today, if you're anxious today, you can have hope and security in the midst of your fear and your anxiety because God is the one that we can put our trust in and we can find him as our refuge and our fortress. Verse 3, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. I love that. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand by your right hand, but it will not, it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. That's the defeat of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. And I want you to pay special attention to verses 11 and 12. He says this, For he, the Lord, will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up. They will bear you up. 
lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, here's where I want to go today. Here's where I want to just kind of camp out for a moment. In verses 11 and 12. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's the first thing I want to talk about, is guarding you in all your ways. And then verse 2, and on their hands they will bear you up. And I want to talk about bearing you up. First of all, to guard you in all your ways. In the original language, the word guard literally means to to have a careful, watchful eye. to, To actually protect and to attend to something. And so when God, allow, when God allows you to find your refuge in him, there are times, listen, I won't, don't want you to miss this, there are times when he is going to use his angels as his agents in your life to come to him for that strength. He's going to use his angels to support you, to, 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 uh, for you to be able to find that place of refuge. He says, for he will command those angels concerning you to guard you in all their ways. And so the idea that we have one guardian angel, while you know, there, there you know, is really no scriptural evidence of that, what a better thing that God has for us. Because every time we see in Scripture where there's the idea, and there's a few other places where we find the idea of God uh, protecting us from physical and spiritual harm with his angels, it's always the plural of the word that's used. Isn't that awesome? It's not just one. It's many. It's many. And you add to that the fact that in several different places, Revelation being the main one where he talks about angels, where he speaks of angels, it talks about a host of angels. So even though we may have been told all of our lives that there's this idea of a guardian angel watching over us, God has so many angels watching over you and watching over me. There's only one time in Scripture, it's in Daniel, where he refers to a specific angel watching over a specific person, and it's actually a group of people. It's Michael watching over the nation of Israel. There's no other time it's used in that context. What a better thing that God has for you and for me. And then he says in verse 12 that they are there to guard us in all our ways, and on their hands they will bear you up. Now, the original language, that, that phrase... Uh, bear you up really can can be summarized by this they are there to assist you but I want you to keep in mind that they are there to assist you in your role and their role of worshiping him and furthering his kingdom I had someone say to me once man if God's angels are true then I can live my life with full abandon and just reckless and I'll be fine listen If you go jump off a cliff, you're probably going to end up dead at the bottom of it, okay? This is God's angels working for you. Listen, don't miss this. This is so important. In your role and in my role for kingdom work. So don't take what God says about his angels and decide that you're going to live a selfish, reckless life. 
Yes, he wants you to abandon yourself, but he wants you to abandon yourself to him. And his angels are there to protect you when things go bad. When we were moving into this building in 2012, that summer, Cynthia and I um, got in my truck. I have a Ford F-150 that I love, and I love it because Dave Ramsey told me to pay it off, and that's the best kind of car. Isn't that awesome? Anyway, sorry. sorry. That's not patting myself on the back. That's just, I'm, I'm way on a rabbit trail. Okay, so anyway, so we have a Ford F-150, and we hooked it up to uh, a trailer, and we drove to Atlanta because we needed to buy stuff at America's favorite Scandinavian furniture store called... There, you guys are on it this morning, Ikea, okay? So we went and we bought stuff from Ikea because it's cheap and that kind of thing. But we also were getting some stuff for our house. Um, Cynthia's mom and dad had some stuff for us. And so we, we pulled up to a storage unit and we loaded in the furniture that her mom and dad had for us. And it was really lightweight. And I loaded it into the front all the way into the trailer and I strapped it down. And I've done some trailer stuff and I kind of pride myself. You know, men, right? Are you with me? Like we know how to drive trailers, yeah, I can back that up. Yeah, I can park that. I can load that and not have any problems. So I loaded all the light stuff in the front. <laughs> and then we drove to Ikea. And, man, that furniture looks like, you know, it's a lot of it's around here and all around our building. It's, it's you know, good furniture, but it's inexpensive. But when it's in a box, you know, broken down in a box, that stuff's heavy. You know what I'm talking about? It's really heavy. And we were buying a lot of furniture. And so I loaded that on the back end of the trailer, past the axle. So I had 90% of the weight on the back of the trailer. And I wasn't really thinking about it, but we got on the interstate during rush hour in Atlanta, and we started heading here because there were people, we needed to be here early Saturday morning because there were people meeting us to unload this. This was on a Friday night. Friday night in Atlanta in rush hour. <laughs> planning of this trip was not very well thought out. Okay, I realize that. And we got on the road, and I had to pull over several times because it just was not, I thought something was wrong with my truck. I thought something was wrong with the trailer. And uh, so we had to pull over several times, and, you know, I'd inspect it and make sure it looks great because I know so much about this kind of stuff. <sighs> and we just kept on hauling down the road at 45 miles an hour because that's as fast as I could drive without it fishtailing. And we got south of Atlanta in pretty heavy very fast traffic, and we went down a hill, and I could not stop it from kind of going out of control. And all of a sudden, that trailer started fishtailing because we were going up 45, 55, 65, 70 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, it started fishtailing. And I looked to my left, and I saw that trailer at a 90-degree angle. And then a minute later, as I overcorrected, I saw it again at a 90-degree angle right there. And my first thought was, this is it, man. This is the end of it. Cynthia and I are going to be part of, you know, I-75 on Atlanta, in Atlanta. And, like, this is it. It was the single scariest moment of my life. And we pulled over. And we regained composure. And I looked back. And there wasn't a single car hit. I don't know how it happened. I have no explanation how in the middle of rush hour traffic in Atlanta on a Friday night, that trailer didn't hit 10 cars on its way, fishtailing back and forth into other lanes. And we pulled over. I don't know how it didn't tip our truck over. But you know what I believe today? I believe that God wasn't done with us, and I believed his angels were there protecting 
us. And not just protecting us from physical harm, but protecting us because he wasn't done with us yet. And I promise you, if we were to take the time to go around a room like this, each one of you would have stories in your life when you would be able to recognize that God was guarding you and he was using his angels to do that. But I don't want you to miss this principle. Please don't miss this. He loves you and he is guarding you and he is protecting you and he uses his, his angels to do so. But he's not just doing it for your protection. I believe that he's doing it because he isn't done with you and your mission yet. Because if it's their job to worship him and to further his kingdom, and if it's our job to worship him and to further his kingdom, then that's what God is most concerned about. And yes, he loves you and he wants your physical protection. I do believe his angels can do that, but I believe that we need to look for the bigger purpose in our lives in that protection. And I promise you, I have some difficult days in my job and in my life. And on those difficult days, I think about 2012 when that almost happened. And I think, man, God's not done with me. I need to get my attitude in shape. I need to get some things straightened out so I can finish the job he has for me. I want to challenge you to think about the fact that he is not done with you yet. And his angels are involved in your life so that you can finish your job. In the mid-19th century, there was a Scottish missionary by the name of John Patton. And he was called to go to an area uh, in the South Pacific near Australia called the New Hebrides as a, as a missionary. And when he and his family arrived there, they were surprised because the, the native people that lived there, what they didn't realize, they knew that they were going into enemy territory, but they didn't realize how um, incredibly severe the, the, the situation and, and the conditions would be. Uh, these natives were savages. And, and they were they kind of like kind of steeped in heathen practices and they would really kill anyone who was an enemy of what they wanted, and that was to protect their territory. And so John Patton um, and his family realized very quickly they were heading into a very, very dangerous place. Well, one night as they fell asleep, they could hear voices around them, and they heard the chant of the tribe that was nearest to them, and they looked out, and they saw them with their torches, and they had surrounded this, this camp, and, which included their home, the place where they lived, and uh, this group of tribal leaders were dead set on setting fire to this village and to this camp and to their home, and so he and his wife, John Patton and his wife, they got on their knees and they began to pray and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed all night long that God would deliver them. And when they woke up the next morning, they were so surprised to look around and see that everything was okay and that they were safe. Well, a year later, the chief of that tribe accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, if you can believe that. And when this happened, John was with him and, and after a while, he, he asked him, Chief, why did you not burn this camp down? Why did you not burn our home down? And the chief replied in surprise, well, who were all those men who were there that night? And John said, I don't have no idea what you were talking about. It's just a few of us in the camp. Well, Patton knew that there were no men present. But the chief 
talked about the fact that there were hundreds of men surrounding their camp, looking out at them. And they were afraid to attack because these men were clothed in shining garments and drawn swords protecting the missionaries inside the camp. God wasn't done with John and his crew yet. And his angels were guarding him. But not only does God's angels guard us, but they also guide us. Check out Exodus 23. I love this. Check this out. We'll read just a few verses here. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him. Pay careful attention to him. And obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey, if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I've said, then, God says, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And the whole passage goes on to explain that God would help the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, find victory over all their greatest enemies. And I want you to hear today that God's angels not only are guarding you against physical and spiritual harm, but they are also there to guide your steps. But this is conditional because I don't know if you notice this and don't miss this. There's an if there. And essentially... What the author says is that that is true if we will listen to God's leading. Now, I realize that for most of you, when you have an angel encounter you, you probably don't know it and you probably don't recognize it. That day that we were going down I-75 and that thing was fishtailing back and forth, we didn't see anything. But I know they were there. I know they were there. And God can use circumstances and people and different things in your life to help guide your path. However, if we are going to participate with what God is doing through his angels, if we're going to be a part of that, I believe what Exodus 23 tells us is that you and I need to be in a position where we are listening and we are receptive and we are doing everything that God is telling us to do. Whether that's through an angel, visible or invisible, whether it's through his word, whether it's through someone in your life that's a godly person that is really kind of speaking into your life or a group of people. If we miss the opportunity because we're not listening or if we miss the opportunity because we have a hard heart and we're going to reject what God says anyway or if we miss it because, yeah, we may have listened, we may have received it, there's no way we're going to be doing that, then we come out from under God's guiding us through his angels. And I think it's so important for you and I to understand because sometimes, I know in my life this is true, sometimes I kind of like summarize my life and think that the circumstances of my life are just impressed upon or they're, they're kind of like put on me. And sometimes I get frustrated with God because I wonder where he is in a particular circumstance. And all of a sudden I realize that he's been there the whole I'm not paying attention. And I'm rejecting what he's telling me. And if I get that far in it, I end up not doing what he's telling me to do. And I wonder, 
I wonder, I wonder how many of you walked in here today and you're full of fear or anxiety or strife about something going on in your life right now. And God has been using his angels, he's been using his word, he's been using people in, in your life to help guide you in his way. It's there for the taking. But you're not in a position to either listen or to receive or to do what he says. Listen, God's angels are at work. They're at work announcing his birth. Next two weeks, we're going to be talking about that. They're at work announcing what happens at the end of time. They're at work um, protecting and guiding us. But if we're not ready to receive what God has for us, we're going to miss the great work of participating with God in what he's doing through his angels. You see, knowing God's angels are there to guard and to guide us can absolutely give us the confidence that we need to trust God to get us through the difficult circumstances. The question is, are we listening? Are we receiving what God is telling us? And are we willing to do what he says? Billy Graham wrote a book on angels. You know what he called it? Angels. All right. Love that. All right. He says this. It's a fantastic book, by the way. If we, the sons of God, would only realize how close his ministering angels are, what calm assurance we could have in facing the cataclysms of life. He goes on to say, while we do not place our faith directly in angels, we should place it in the God who rules the angels. Then we can have peace. And so my action step for you this week is this. I'm going to ask you to identify, and I'm going to give you a moment to do that. I'm going to ask you to identify one area this week that you know that you're going to be, have some fear in. And I realize there's the unknown, but let's face it. It's Christmas. This is a Christmas season, and there's a lot of stress, right? You know, you've got lists and family members coming in again and all that. And so there's a lot going on. You know, businessmen and women, it's time to, like, end the year. Students, you guys have exams, you know, coming up. Man, there's a lot to be fearful of, potentially. Identify one thing. That if you were to truly practice understanding that the angels are there to guard you and to guide you, how would your response be different? How can you make your response different knowing that's true? And are you in a position to listen, to receive, and to do what God is telling you to do? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you so much. For your word. And God, we thank you so much for the fact and the truth that you sent your son Jesus into this world to redeem us from our sins. But God, we're also thankful for the angels that you sent to do your work. And God, may we be people who participate with them. May we as people who call ourselves Christ followers or God followers, may we be people who participate with them, not, not praying to them. Your word says that we shouldn't do that, but, and not worshiping them. That said alone for you, oh God, but may we be people who are aware of what's going on around us in the supernatural and the spiritual realm. May we be aware of what you're doing, and may we be people who listen and receive and do. 
You may be here today and there's an area that you very quickly can identify in your life. What would change if you operated this week knowing that God's angels are there to guard you and to guide you? Are you in a place where you're listening, you're receiving, and you're doing what God says? Just take a moment in the silence of this room right now and just ask God to reveal that one area this week where you can participate with God's guardianship and guidance in your life. Just take a moment and dwell on that. Father God, this time of year, we're fully aware through your angels making that announcement, through their interaction with us in our lives, God, through the story of you sending your son to die on the cross to redeem the world from its sins. God, we're fully aware of how great you are. And God, right now, we continue to worship and we give you glory because you are an amazing, amazing God. And we pray all this in the strong, powerful name of Jesus.